0: Alright, well, my name is Brandon. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at River City Church. Good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, last week, we wrapped up our study in the book of Ephesians, and you might be thinking, hooray, I was hoping we'd get to the end of that some year, right? And we did. It was good, right? Um, And so a lot of what happened in the book of Ephesians is Paul was painting this picture about the indicatives of the gospel. That's the who we are, who God says we are because of the gospel. It's our identity. It's our value. It's our worth. All those things, the first half of Ephesians is laying that stuff out and saying, this is who you are because of the good news about the gospel. And the second half, then, is the imperatives of the gospel. If that stuff is true, then the imperatives, what we do in response to that, matters, And so the indicatives and the imperatives are at the root of what's going on in the book of Ephesians. And a big part of what happens in the book of Ephesians is that Paul outlines for this group of believers uh, the idea that they are the church, that they're part of the church, and in fact that God's reconciliation of them to him was not just a vertical thing, but was a horizontal thing as well, right? His reconciliation wasn't just between God and them, but was between all people and between one another. And in doing so, God created a new people with a new identity and a new purpose, and He called that people the church. And so um, this spring, we're going to be uh, studying the Sermon on the Mount and diving into into Jesus' teaching along those lines. But this week and next week, we're going to just take a short kind of two-week look at helping for us to frame the idea of what it means to be the church. What is the church? And what does it look like for us to be committed to the church? So um, my hope is not that we would like exhaustively cover those topics or ideas, but rather my hope is that... Um, That together we might be able to frame those ideas rightly in light of God's word. And that uh, as a church we would uh, foster uh, a passion for and a commitment to the flourishing of the local church. My heart as we take these next two weeks is that that we would, uh, through a study of God's word, that we would, God would in us rather, foster in us a passion for and a commitment to the flourishing of the local church. So that's where we're headed uh, the next two weeks. So let me pray, and we'll dive into our study. Uh, and uh, I, I just trust that it'll be good for your heart. It's been good for me this week as I've prepared. So, God, thanks for you. Thanks most of all for your word. God, I just pray that you would fill me with your spirit this morning so that I might have anything worthwhile to offer. God, I just know that like without you, like anything I say just is not important. And so I just ask that you might fill me so that I might be able to communicate wisely your truths. God, I pray as well you would give us soft hearts to hear from you, to receive from you, um, to learn from you what you want us to care about regarding your church uh, in light of our time with you this morning. And I pray as well that you might uh, break down uh, walls or burdens or bitterness that comes up this morning as we talk about the idea of the church, as sometimes that can be uh, really challenging. God, I pray as well that you would help us to see your heart and your vision for the church and what you long for it to be. And so. We just submit ourselves to you this morning, put ourselves under the authority of your word and under the authority of uh, your spirit's leading. And so, I pray that that would result in our good and it would lead to your great and increasing glory. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we uh, dive into our, our discussion about the church, I think I just want to acknowledge kind of two things before we dig in. Um, one, uh, it can be tough talking about the church. Um, And especially when I say that my goal is that God would foster in us a passion for and a commitment to the local church. Some of you are thinking, like, the fact that I'm in church is enough, right? (laughs) Like, there's been a lot of hurts in my past or my background. There's been some really tough stuff that's happened. And the fact that I'm even here, that matters. And um, I just want to acknowledge that and recognize that. Um, I think so many of us have... There's so many that have been hurt by the church. Uh, Maybe... Maybe if you haven't, maybe your family has. Or maybe someone that you really love or care about has. Maybe you've been uh, a part of a church that had a church split and it got pretty ugly. Or uh, maybe you were a part of a church and there was just like a ton of judgmentalism that was there. Maybe uh, the leadership in the churches that you've been in the past was really harsh or uncaring or was just vindictive. Maybe you've just been disappointed over and over and over by the church or by the people in the church. Um, Maybe the churches you were part of just saw uh, you as like a feeding thing where they just used your gifts or your skills or your talents but never really invested in you. And I just want to acknowledge that that, that's real and that stuff has happened. My grandpa um, died last year wanting absolutely nothing to do with the church, nothing to do with Christianity. Growing up, uh, his family was uh, poor and they were shamed uh, by the church that they were a part of growing up for the way that they, uh, basically for their financial situation and stuff. And my grandpa just grew up hating the church and hating the people of the church because he felt like the church was just an organization that was all about money and didn't actually care about people. And So I just like want to acknowledge that sometimes it's hard to talk about the idea of the church because there's past things that are on there. Secondly, I think it's hard to talk about the church sometimes, too, because it's just like a big idea, right? It's a big topic. I I really wrestled this week trying to figure out what to communicate about it because, like, there's no possible way to be exhaustive in, like, the course of six hours, which I've got you for. Um, And uh, I won't go that long, I promise. Um, But there's just no way to be exhaustive about it, even if we did have that much time. And so rather, I was trying to just prayerfully consider, God, what is it that you want us to hear about your church? What is it that you want us to see and care for and value? And so um, our study this morning is not exhaustive, but I trust that it will be good and helpful for you. It's been challenging for my own heart as well. Um, my goal is not to be exhaustive this morning as well. My goal is not to convince you that the church is perfect or that this church is perfect. But rather, I want us to see God... Whoa. Rather, what I want to happen is I want, us to see, um, I want us to see God's heart for the church, his vision for it, what he wants it to be, how he designed it, what its purpose and mission is. I want us to gain his view of it as we study this morning. And I think the best way to find out what God thinks about something is to see what he wrote about what he thinks about it. And so we're going to take a look at um, kind of three ways this morning that the Bible talks about the church. And so, the Bible talks about the church as being universal and local. The Bible talks about the church as being gathered and scattered. And thirdly, the Bible talks about the church as being worth prioritizing and valuing. So those are the three, three places that we're headed this morning. Um, so let's dive in, right? First... Uh, how does the Bible use the word church? How does it even talk about that? Well, um, the Greek word uh, ekklesia, the word that's translated church, um, refers to some kind of a group of Christians. But the Bible doesn't talk about the same group of Christians every time it talks about that. In places like Romans 16 and 1 Corinthians 16 and uh, Philemons, the church is referred to as a group of Christians that meet in a house. That's called the church. In 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians and James 5, a group of Christians in an entire city is referred to as a church. In uh, places like Acts chapter 9, a group of Christians in an entire region is referred to as a church. And in places like Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1, Christians throughout the entire world are referred to as the church. So you might be thinking, well, that's unhelpful. (laughs) Um, But I think it is helpful because... What we can, I think, discern from what's going on there is that the church is both universal and local. It's not just a very narrowly defined thing, but it is universal and local. See, the church is universal in the sense that Scripture often refers to the church as the community of all true believers throughout the world. And the church is local in the sense that the, the Bible talks about putting a heavy emphasis on the the gathering of those of the universe into local expressions, into local congregations, into local churches. And so local churches are the expression of the universal church, and local churches are where the saving and sanctifying message of the gospel is meant to be believed and lived out and proclaimed. So the universal church, then, if that's the community of all true believers for all times, in Ephesians 5.25, Paul writes, For Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, he wasn't just referring to the church in Ephesus. He's referring to the church throughout the world, all the people that God, that Christ died in order to redeem. Now, uh, this doesn't mean that just like anybody who believes in God in general is a Christian, right, or is part of the universal church, but, re- but rather those who've come to put their faith and their hope and their trust in God's redeeming love and his grace, to trust in the sacrificial and complete act of forgiveness in that which both deals with the consequences of our sin and restores us back to right relationship with God. It's, it's faith in Jesus. It's, it's faith in the gospel. So the universal church then is made up of men and women who have been, who are, or whoever will become true believers in the gospel. And So the church is universal, but it's also local The local church is the gathering of that universal church into local expressions. And so we see this happening throughout the New Testament, but especially clearly we see this happening in the book of Acts. And over and over, if you study the book of Acts, you see this pattern, right? And the pattern is a group of Christians go to a new area and they preach the gospel and they gather all the people who believe and they meet and they gather and they grow and they mature and then they send people off to do that again. And over and over and over and over in the book of Acts, there's this pattern to go, to gather, and to send. And so, what is happening is that people are going and then they're gathering the people that believe into expressions of that local church, gathering people together so that they might grow and mature and so that they also might reproduce and send and plant new churches. Um, This is not a prescriptive model, right? We don't look at the book of Acts and think, oh, that's the way they did it. Let's just do everything exactly the same. That would be difficult, right? Um, And also not realistic. But what happens is we need to see the way that the original apostles and the original disciples, we need to see the way that they understood God's call to go, therefore, and make disciples. And the way that they understood that should shape and interpret how we think about and understand that as well. Their example should matter to us as we think about what it means to be the church. So what happens in life and ministry when we forget about one or the other, right? What happens when we don't rightly value the local church and the universal church? Well, um, let me break it down this way. When we overemphasize the local church at the expense of the universal church, here's a couple of things I think can happen. One, I think we have a hard time seeing how God is at work outside of our context and outside of our sphere of influence, That's a lot of the reason that we're uh, the River City Church is part of the Acts Twenty Nine Church Planning Network, which is an international church planning network. Because we don't want to just be a part of what's happening here in Dubuque, but we want to be a part of what's going on much broader around the world. And we don't just want to like send resources to those places, but we want to also be a part of learning and growing in what God is doing all over the world. And if you just value the local church, then you won't care about what's happening throughout the world and what God is doing elsewhere. A lot of times if you just care about the local church, that really just results in like a lot of pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. It results in a reluctance to rejoice in what God is doing elsewhere. And I think one of the things it really chiefly does is that it breeds an overly critical and skeptical view of others. Right? I don't think that we should just assume that every church which has the name church on it is legit and that everything's good. But I also don't think that we should have like a guilty until proven innocent mentality. I think a lot of times that can happen if you don't have a broader view of the ch- the universal church. Not everybody has to agree on every theological issue, right? And we don't need to have an attitude of criticalness and skepticalness about every other church. That happens when we just have a view of the local church but not the universal. But what happens if it's flipped, right? And we have a, a really high view of the universal church but a really low view of the gathering of the local church. Well, a lot of times you see this in parachurch ministries. I spent the last seven years of my life uh, in InterVarsity, which is a college campus ministry. Super grateful for that and all that God has done in my life. But sometimes there's uh, students and staff who are a part of InterVarsity because they don't want to be a part of the church. And so it's their replacement for that. Maybe they've been hurt by the church or maybe they just don't see the church as valuable or meaningful or maybe they don't, don't feel like there's a good church in their town or something like that. And so there's a disengagement from the local church for negative kinds of reasons. Secondly, I think a lot of times what I see in people that value the universal church over the local church is there's just like a lack of commitment to God's people. There's a lack of focus on um, others and lack of focus on, on being committed to what God is doing. A lot of times you see a self-focused, consumeristic mentality regarding ministry. Nothing really fits my needs. Nothing really perfectly tailors to me. There's no church that really just fits all the things that I'm looking for, all the things that I want. So I'll just do things on my own. I think that can lead to just like an elitism, being critical of ministries. Nothing is ever good enough. But I think a lot of times what's really underlying uh, what's going on there is that there's like a, a there's there's kind of some good stuff that's just hidden and masked a lot of times people who care about the universal church at the expense of the local church have really idealistic values they want to see the gospel go forward they want to see movements change they want to see culture and justice and they want to see all of these things kind of change but they're not concerned about people along the way and it's easy for it to be about seeing the end goal without seeing it being about the people in the process. And God seems eminently concerned about people. He seems eminently concerned about their hearts and about their process of change. And about what he's doing in them in the way he's accomplishing and carrying out his will. And if we only care about the, the universal church and not the local church, what's going to happen is that we'll just see the end without the journey. And the journey really matters. Instead, I would invite us that we would see God's word rightly as he does, leading us to rejoice in what he's doing outside of our contexts, and that we would have an attitude of humility and learning from others, yet at the same time that we'd be committed to gathering, in the, uh, gathering the universal church into the local church. Realizing that God's put us here in Dubuque for a time, a place, and a purpose, and a reason. Acts chapter 18 says this, that God determines the times and places when men live so that they might seek and find him. God's directing that. He's leading it. He's doing it. And so for us as River City, we want to value the local church, and we want to value the universal church. And that leads to a healthy view. Secondly, the church is gathered and scattered. We see this especially in Acts chapter 8, but one of the things you heard me talk about in Ephesians um, is that the church is not a place, the church is a people, right? I said the church is not a place, the church is a people, and because the church is a people and not a place, it exists when the church is gathered for worship, and it exists when the church is scattered for mission throughout the world. See, we are gathered here at the Best Western, spoiler alert, this is not a church building, this is a hotel, right? Um, I don't know if you missed the sign on the way in, right? But this is not a church building. But it would seem that this is a church, right? Because the church is not about the place. The church is about the gathering of the people of God. Furthermore, River City Church doesn't stop existing as soon as we end this service. It doesn't stop existing until we gather again next week. The church still exists because the church is the people of God. It's just not gathered anymore. It's scattered. It's scattered scattered into the lives and neighborhoods and jobs that God has sent us into. It's scattered into the small groups that we're a part of and the places that God has sent us on mission in our lives and in our days. See, the gathering of the local church is really important because it's a place for us to worship God together, to celebrate what God is doing together, to remember Jesus together, to sit under the teaching of God's word together. The church is about being together, right? The gathered church is about being together. It's about being part of something bigger than just you. Bigger than just your life and your sphere of influence, the place that God is putting you in the ministry that he's validly and rightly and doing in good ways in and through you. But the gathered church reminds us that it's not about us. It's not just individually, but rather the church is about God's people, a people that he's doing work through together as a community who he's revealing himself to our community with and through. See, Sunday mornings are not the pinnacle of ministry at River City Church. As much as you might think, this is just fantastic, right? Sunday mornings aren't the pinnacle of ministry at River City Church, right? But rather, um, the gathering of the church here on Sundays is important because it prepares us for the scattering of the church throughout the week. The gathering of the church here is important for lots of reasons, but one of those is because it prepares us for the scattering of the church. So why is the scattering of the church important? Well, because that's where the gospel is actually applied and lived out. You can hear me preach and teach and you can hear truths and you can let those truths sink into your heart, but it doesn't change you in the hour you sit in these comfortable seats here. The gospel changes you throughout the week in the ways that you live and move and the ways that you are applying it into your life. It's really easy to follow Jesus for an hour here when you sing songs and sit in the great chairs. It's hard to follow Jesus outside of here, but that's where God's work and that's where the gospel is applied to our lives. As well, the scattered church is important because Um, That's where the mission of making disciples takes place. We can't make disciples by only gathering the church together. That's a part of it. It's an important part. But it can never be the only part. See, we have to see the church God's people as sent into the world. So what happens if we just value the gathering of the church and, and not the scattering of the church? Well, I think what happens is we become reliant on other people or we come reliant on the church as an organization, or we become reliant on the leaders of a church to do ministry for us. The Bible seems really clear that all Christians have been made ambassadors of the kingdom of God, that all Christians are to be missionaries sent into the world, not just pastors or not just organizations, not just churches. I think as well, if we do that, we have a lack of deep, purposeful, and meaningful relationships. Because the church is just about coming to a place for a while. You do your time and then you roll. I think it fosters an individualistic and consumeristic mentality. And I think it can also foster a project-oriented approach to ministry rather than a people-oriented approach. Nobody, no one in the world wants to be treated like a project. We need to see people as God does, wherever they're at in their spiritual journey, to join God in what he's doing in their lives, not to just have a program. But what happens if the flip is true? If we just value the scattering of the church but not, but not the gathering? This, this view is increasingly in vogue, I think, especially in young circles, especially in kind of the circles uh, that I ran in a lot of times in, our, in my time with InterVarsity. This kind of increasing ideal pops up, right? That the scattering of the church is really where ministry happens. And I think that that's absolutely true. Ministry happens in incredible ways in the scattering of the church, but it's not the only way. I think one of the attitudes that can come up if you just value the scattering of the church is that real ministry only happens in small groups, in one-on-one relationships, in deep, meaningful conversations over Badger Brothers coffee or something. Right? But rather, the Bible seems to have a lot to say about the ministry that happens when the church gathers. It has a lot to say about the value and the importance of that because it talks about that Often, I think one of the other things that I see a lot of times in those who value the scattering of over the gathering is that um, there is an underemphasizing of the role of the preaching and teaching of God's Word. I've heard more and more lately, preaching is just not my learning style. And um, that's crap. Not because I'm a preacher and uh, I want you to learn from preaching and teaching, but uh, for thousands of years, God has used the preaching and teaching of his word to communicate truths and to change people's lives and to, and to dramatically influence us. And the thinking that preaching is not your learning style reveals that you believe that preaching is just a lecture and that the power is in the ability of the speaker to communicate good things. But rather, preaching is powerful not because I have anything valuable to say, but because God's word has everything valuable to say. And his spirit has power to make the truths of his word matter to you not because i'm some great speaker but because his word is powerful and the truths of the gospel matter and mean something so the idea that preaching isn't your learning style that is like a misunderstanding about what the preaching of god's word is additionally i think a lot of times what happens when you just value the scattering of the church is that that really stems a lot of times from you just don't want to be under the authority of anyone And Aaron spoke a number of weeks ago when we talked about Ephesians chapter 6 about how it's really important that we teach our kids that being under authority is good because we're under God's authority, and that's really good for us. And our kids are under our authority as parents, and that's really good for them because we love them, and we want their best, and we want to mature in them. Likewise, it's good for us to be under authority in the church. It's, it's good to have that attitude of being willing and being able to be under spiritual authority. Aaron and I might be leaders in this church, but we've submitted ourselves under the spiritual authority of others. We're not just like rogue. Every, it applies to everybody else, but not us. That's why we're a part of like the denomination that we're a part of, and we're a part of the, uh, the church planning network, Acts 29, that we're a part of. Because we as well want to be people who model that it's good to be under authority. Secondly, or lastly, I think a lot of times what happens is that there's a pride that just builds up. I, only I know the best way to do ministry. The church is just getting in the way of that happening. A lot of times we just miss the value of being part of something bigger when we only gather the scattering of the church instead of the, the church gathered as well. Instead, River City, let's be a church that values the church gathered and scattered, and so we would enjoy celebrating as God's people um, being used not just individually for ministry but as a whole as we worship and gather and remember jesus together and let's live as sent missionaries in the everyday stuff of life as the church scattered let's value the scattering and the gathering of the church lastly the church is worth prioritizing um There are like a thousand reasons why you could give for this, but I'm just going to highlight three that seem really to pop up in Scripture. Number one, the church is worth prioritizing because it's it's God's idea and it matters to him. Christ founded the church. He purchased it with his blood. The, The church is the body of Christ. It's the dwelling place of his spirit. The church is the chief instrument for glorifying God in the world. And finally, the church is God's instrument for bringing the gospel and the nations to him. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to uh, Peter, and he says this, I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You see, Jesus began the church. He started it. He said, on this rock I will build my church. Jesus began it. He started it. It belongs to him, and he is the one that builds it. People did not just say after Jesus left, well, we need to really come up with a great system to make sure that we carry out God's will of making disciples and advancing the kingdom. No! Jesus created the church. He designed it. He invented it. He taught it. He lived it. It's his idea. It's not, man didn't come up with it. It's God's idea, and so it should matter to us. Secondly, it's worth prioritizing because, because it's needed. It's needed by us, and it's needed by others. You see, we've been made in the image of God who has eternally existed in community as the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and because we're made in his image, it reveals that we are designed for community. It's a part of the fabric of who we are. Following Jesus is hard. Following Jesus by yourself is impossible. I'm so thankful for the community of believers here in this local church. I am thankful and encouraged and supported and loved and challenged in so many ways by you guys. I need you and you need the church and we need each other. Secondly, the church is needed by others. Aaron spoke last week that the reason we plant new small groups is not because of crowd control, but because we want to make space for people who are not yet a part of the community of God's people to become a part of it. God's plan A for advancing his kingdom, for showing his glory, for calling people to become followers of him, his plan A for that is the church, not the building, not the location, the people of God living as sent into the world. Ephesians 2 says, or Ephesians 3 rather says, the mystery revealed is that since the foundations of the earth, the church was the vehicle for the glory and wisdom of God to be made known everywhere. John Stott says it this way, the church lies at the very center of the eternal purposes of God. It's not a divine afterthought. It's not an accident in history. He goes on to say, the gospel which some of us proclaim is far too individualistic. The good news of the unsearchable riches of Christ, um, which Paul preached, is not just to create a, um, a not just to save sinners like me, although he did, is to create a single new people, not only to redeem us from sin, but to adopt us into his family, not only to reconcile us to God, but to also reconcile us to one another. Thus, the church is an integral part of the gospel. The gospel is good news of a new society, a new people who live new lives. You see, a changed people reveals something different than a changed person. Does that make sense? A changed people reveals something different than just a changed person. I remember uh, I grabbed lunch with Andy this week and I was just like picking his brain. And one of the things that Andy said this, this week was just that one of the things that stuck out to him most is about um, the way that this community is different than any other community that he's been a part of. And then that like, was just like incredibly encouraging to me as I thought about what was being revealed about our church and the people that are here. A changed people reveal something different than a changed person. And so the church is needed by everyone. Lastly, the church is worth prioritizing because it's about God and not about us. John Piper puts it this way, God's aim is to fill the universe with his glory by making the church the showcase of his perfections. The existence of the church is about God. It's about being a new people with a new identity and a new purpose, which is to worship God and bring him glory. It's the people who were slaves but are now heirs and free in Christ. It's the people who were dead but are now alive. It's the people who were enemies of God but are now children and friends of his. And God is jealous for his glory, and rightfully so. For there is no one and nothing that's worthy of worship except him. That's really good news for us. That's really good news. Because God is concerned about his glory. He saved sinners like you and me. Not a single one of us deserved anything from him. Not one of us deserved forgiveness. Not one of us deserved grace or deserved mercy. We didn't deserve anything from him. And so God gets all of the glory by doing all of the saving for all of the people who should never have gotten it. And so we exist to be about him and for him and unto him. Ephesians 2 said that God did all of that so that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace made known to us in Jesus. God saved us so that he would make much of him. Out of our gratitude and thankfulness and worship that we would be about him. God wants all the glory. He gets all the glory by doing all of the saving. You see, the church is not about you, but it is for your good. The church doesn't exist to meet your needs, but you do have needs that the church is designed to meet. The church is not only about others, although we are sent as God's ambassadors into the world to bring the good news. But if it's only about others, then you will get burnt out and tired and bitter incredibly quickly. Rather, as River City, let us remember that the church is about God. And when the church is about him, it frees us from the burden of it being about us. And it frees us from the burden of it being about others. And rather, it, is, uh, it makes it the blessing that it was intended to be for us. And it allows it to fill its purpose in our lives and in the lives of others. So let's embrace the church being about God. The church is universal and local. It's gathered and scattered. And it's worth prioritizing. I hope that's what you've seen this week as we studied and saw some of the places in God's word where it talks like that. Next week, we're going to talk more about what it looks like for us to respond to that. If the church is those things and if it's worth prioritizing, then that means that we need to respond to that. So what does it look like for us to be committed to the flourishing of the local church? We'll talk about that next week, but let's pray. God, thanks so much for you and thanks so much for your word. God we're just grateful that you might call us to, that you have called us to be your people and so we want to live in submission to you and submission to your will and your priorities and we want to be your church your people sent on your mission for your purposes God help us rightly value the church as local and universal help us rightly value it as gathered and scattered help us to rightly see that it's about you and it's worth giving our lives for we love you God thanks for loving us first making us the church, your people. We love you, God. Amen.